0: This episode is brought to you in part by Second Skull. Second Skull is a protective headgear company focused on helping to keep athletes safe and to help keep athletes on the field participating in the sports that they love. Their products are patented, tested, and proven to reduce direct and rotational impacts to the head. Their technology is trusted by several athletic organizations and the United States military. Their pro cap is designed with a grant from the National Football League. This protective skull cap is the ultimate in thin, lightweight, and breathable protection. The pro cap is comparable to other skull caps that do not offer such protection, measuring at just two millimeters thick and weighing less than 2.4 ounces. The pro cap improves protection for all players when worn under their helmet and is perfect for football, baseball, hockey, and lacrosse. Their pro band is designed in collaboration with professional players and clubs in Spain. This protective headband provides superior protection with an aesthetic and athletic look. The pro band has a unique five panel construction with a reinforced forehead panel to deliver a natural feel and ultimate ball control at just four millimeters thick and a weight of 1.4 ounces. The pro band provides protection for all players in non-helmeted sports and activities and is ideal for soccer athletes. Listeners of the armchair coaching podcast, can go to SecondSkull.com and save 20% on any products purchased from that website with the discount code ARMCHAIR. That's A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R in all caps. I want to thank Coach Anthony Stone for the opportunity to be a contributing author to his new magazine, the Coach Stone Football Coaching Magazine, From the Field to Football Podcasts, Coaching in the Digital Era, this is a great opportunity for me to get out there and grow the community of the podcast. Uh, so if you're looking for some free football content, go ahead and follow the link that I'm going to provide in the description of this episode below, uh, and you're going to get some free stuff uh, from including from me, from Coach Steve, from the Coach Steve Show, Coach PJ Davis from the Shavehead podcast, Podcast, uh, Coach Matt Bartley, Bartley from the Game Wreckers and Slobber Knockers Podcast. Coach Nick Banstra from his kick and cover podcast, the Gap Down Backer podcast, and also Coach Dustin Mills from the Anchor Down podcast, as well as many others in the future. So if you are interested in free football content, most of us coaches are, do us a huge favor and follow the link and like and subscribe to this magazine. It will help us out tremendously. Thank you. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at JRockfordHeath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother. Welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. My name is Coach Sheffer. I am your host. And today we have another local guy. Coach Cockerham, who is the head football coach at Heritage High School in Leesburg, Virginia. Coach, welcome into the podcast. I appreciate you having me. Awesome, Coach. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in. And the first question I ask is one that I have everyone who comes on the podcast ask. I want to know about your story. Um, I want to know, like, how did you get into coaching? Um, tell me about all the different stops on your way. And basically, how did you end up where you are today?
1: Yeah, so mine's a little bit unique. Um, I was born with a club foot on my right leg, um, and had some medical had some issues with that growing up, and had to have some surgeries. And you know, doctors told me that playing ball wasn't uh, wasn't an option, so I didn't you know in high school and growing up, um, but knew from a really young age that coaching was what I wanted to do. You know, I thinking back to me when I was probably ten or twelve. Um, so I was a student assistant with my high school team in high school. Um, you know, little small town yeah, field high school in Northeast Ohio. Um, and fortunately you know Suffield where I'm from is about 40 minutes from Alliance Ohio where the University of Mount Union is and you know, I knew I wanted to be a coach and you know Mount Union was a lot of football games so I wanted to go be a part of that um, so I started there you know Vince Karras who's now the D coordinator at Toledo gave me my first opportunity uh, as an equipment guy you know, came in as a, a knucklehead freshman equipment guy who didn't know anything about anything and you know some will argue maybe I still don't but um, you know started with that and slowly eased myself in and you know, spent five years in an in incredible program learning from, you know, Larry Karras, who's, you know, Hall of Famer, everybody you know, knows about him and, and Vince and, you know, um, guys like Jason Candle and Matt Campbell and, and guys like that, that I was fortunate enough to just sit in the same room as and listen to him talk, you know, I don't know if I really understood the greatness I was seeing when I was seeing it, but looking back, I certainly do. Um, and so that's how I got my start. So once I got out of school, I uh, spent my fifth year there as a student intern for Keith Wakefield, who was our offensive line coach, um, an old-school guy, high, old-school high, old high school coach. He was a wing T guy. You know, we were spread there, but, you know, he kind of made sure that we were all well-versed in, you know, some more of the, the older old-school old stuff. Uh, left there and, you know, started applying for jobs right after graduation and got lucky enough to be a seasonal intern at Methodist University uh, down in Fayetteville, North Carolina, where I was the assistant O-line coach. I uh, was a seasonal intern, lived you know, in an apartment with another coach and lived in the coach's office really more than anything. Um, did that for a season, enjoyed the crap out of it. I went back home to Ohio and, you know, was applying for jobs and ended up um, that following June or July, one of the two, getting hired as a defensive line coach at Methodist University. Um, excuse me, at North Carolina Wesleyan, um, which is just north of where Methodist is. And I Went down there, was there for a year coaching the U-line. Um, and as everybody in this business has experienced, the head coach left, new guy came in and, and kind of wanted to move some things around. And there was only one you know, intern spot and he wanted a DB guy, which I had never done. So was fortunate to land at Case Western Reserve University, uh, which is a D3 in Northeast Ohio, uh, a really great academic institution and worked for coach Greg Devlak there. Um, and was, you know, as a defensive intern there coaching the D line, um, had a great experience there. Then um, had he was a guy that's always wanted to coach offense had an opportunity to go to tiffin which is a d2 in northwest ohio um in ga for gary golf who's a, a wing t guy had played for how mummy way back at valdosta back in the day and, and coach golf's now the head coach down at down at valdosta was there for a year um decided that i was done with the ga life and decided to get into high school ball and i uh, got hired by a guy named dan Larlem at kyoga valley christian academy you know i was trying to figure out my teaching certification and work for him and you know, came in as a first-year staff there um, with a program that had been historically a wing-t uh, program since so the school opened up in the mid-90s. And they had fallen a hard times. We got there, you know, started a bunch of freshmen, really young. Um, you know, went 0-10, which coming from being, you know, Mount Union was obviously the polar opposite. Um, so, obviously, it wasn't a whole lot of fun, but you learn a lot about yourself as a coach when you experience 1-10. You know, I remember at practice seeing, you know, some of the freshmen we had do some things. You're like, holy crap, like – what's four years going to look like? And, you know, it's fun looking back now, it's, you know, four or five years ago. And that freshman we were saying, oh crap about, you know, started as a freshman last year at the university of Cincinnati. You know, was a wide receiver. He was a, a state champion hurdler. And, you know, that, that old oh, crap, you ended up being real, <laughs> you know? Um, and then I got my first teaching job as a long-term sub. I taught for a whole school year at Southeast high school uh, for Pat Yule, who was my offensive coordinator in high school. You know, so Looking for a teaching job. They had something last minute. Jumped in and was a volunteer coach for them for a year, uh, just doing video and you know inputting and, and doing all the the back to the GA uh, type stuff because that's what he needed. Um, and then got my first full time teaching job at Colgan High School in Prince William. Um, you know how crazy the the football business works. Steve Bottomdustle, the head coach there, I had worked for a buddy of his from college when I was at North Carolina Wesleyan. You know, so looking for a teaching job in you know, Northeast Ohio, there aren't a lot because the economy's the polar opposite of what it is in Northern Virginia. Um, So I got to work for Steve, spent two years working for Steve, learned a ton and decided that I want to do the head coaching thing and applied it uh, up here at Heritage and here I am. So that's the roundabout way of how I got to Leesburg, Virginia.
0: (laughs) Nice. Uh, I actually had Coach Baud on the podcast uh, last week, I believe.
1: I'm not, I didn't listen to him. I'm going to guess you talked about weightlifting.
0: A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, at the moment, I don't think that one that one hasn't come out yet. Um, I'm still kind of a little back backed up on the the episodes, but uh, that one should come out. I think he might be coming back on to uh, talk about like some nutrition and some other stuff. Yeah, so, he loves
1: that stuff. That's that's his thing, man. He is really. You know, I've never met anybody that's more detailed in the weight room, mm-hmm. the nutrition, and that type of stuff than he is. He's that's that's his baby. He loves it.
0: I could tell. By the way, he he just kind of glowed when when he talked about it. Like we we were talking about scheme and everything, and he's like, yeah, 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 okay. And then I then we start bring up nutrition. He's like, oh yeah, I've got all these ideas. And yep. it was it was awesome. Um, I you know, think the, the he be,
1: the best thing he I would say the best thing he does, but it's a great idea that I think and we're not gonna do it this year because we can't with COVID. But mm-hmm. the inter squad scrimmage there every year. The parents, you know, their payment to get into the scrimmage is they have to bring a box of Cliff bars. Yeah drop them in a bucket and they come in and watch the scrimmage. And that's what we feed, what we fed to the kids at halftime. You know, it's something that we're going to constitute up here at, at Heritage once we get back into the world where parents are allowed to come to games. So.
0: That was one of the gems that I took from that interview. I was like, I'm going to steal that one. (laughs) So, or or something similar, you know, it's, it's a very good idea.
1: Yeah. That's again, that's something I had never thought of. That's it's simple, but brilliant at the same time.
0: So, Colgan is a, uh, if, if the listeners don't know in Virginia, we have, uh, six different levels of high school football, one a being the smallest six a being the highest. And, he, and I'm in a different school in Prince William County, uh, not very far away from Colgan where you used to be. Um, I'm at, uh, Brentsville high school right now and we're three a, but all the other schools in our County are six a, so we never play each other. So we, we went to a couple of the seven on sevens a couple of years ago when, um, Colgan was doing that uh, before they stopped. Doing, before they stopped last year, I think. But um, Colgan is a pretty big school.
1: The, the uh, building itself is enormous. It is I've never uh, seen anything quite like you know coming from you know Mount Union where we had right around twenty two hundred kids. There's more kids at Colgan High School than there were in my college. Yeah, the place is enormous.
0: It's huge. Um, now, lip, uh, Heritage, how big is Heritage? What
1: we're, we're for it.
0: 4A, okay. So right. just, one...
1: just up a little bit above you guys, yeah.
0: Yeah, so let's let's talk about the difference between Col- going, going from Colgan to going to Heritage. And you talked about it a little bit about, you know, maybe a quarterback at mm-hmm. Colgan you guys had at least one or two kids who could run and throw. Yep. Like what's, what are some of the major differences from going to a 6A school than going to a school like Heritage as a 4A?
1: You know, it, it, I would say at Colgan we always had – you know, at least 100 kids in the program, you know, 9 through 12. It's not all those kids dressed on Friday night. Um, but, you know, we dress every junior and senior Then young kids that we're going to play. You know, where is it? Here it is, obviously, we dress everybody on Friday night. You know, that's just part of, part of, part of it. Um, but the big difference is, you know, we may not have as many athletes. Your depth isn't the way it is in a big school. Um, so it's really important to develop you know, maybe that sloppy kid that's never had any confidence in himself and teach him how to block down, you know, on power, you know, whatever it may be, because, you know, at the 4A level, you're going to have to put him out there and find something that he can do. You know, where, and I think scheme-wise, and this is a Mount Union thing, Coach Karras' thing he always talked about was players, formations, plays. You know, who are my top skill players? You know, usually is how we talked about it. You know, what formations can I put them in? What plays can I run out of that formation? Right. So I think that's a, you know, in a bigger school, you still have to do that, but you're, you're going to have a few receivers. You're going to have a few running backs. You're probably going to have a quarterback. You know, you're going to have more of that. Whereas at our level, you know, I'm sure at your guys level too, you got to fit what you do around the kids you have. If you're trying to plug a square peg into a round hole every year, you're, you're not going to do very well. You got to, you got to make the best with the kids you have.
0: Yeah. Which uh, kind of leads to player development which is one of the um, topics that uh, you had brought up. Now, what are some of the keys? What are some of the things that you guys do to try to develop the players that you have?
1: Yeah, and it's been tough because, you know, we haven't had a real off season since I got hired. You know, last year, I, last year was my first season and then COVID happened. You know, my plan is, you know, especially to develop those young guys because we're in a place um, at Heritage where you know, at least my experience while I've been here and I actually have the head coach that started the program on my staff as a volunteer – who's incredible, and I've talked to every head coach in between. I'm only number four, so I've talked to everybody that's been here and everything It says you're going to have athletes, you're going to have receivers, you're going to have DBs. You know, it's whether you, you know, whether you can piece part of the line together is going to determine your success. You know, So our big thing is in the offseason, you know, we've done a couple things. Our offensive line coach, even though he knew nothing about wrestling, uh, is now our assistant wrestling coach. Um, you know, our AD had been a wrestling guy. They were looking for a body, and I go, what about Mike? And he goes – great, why not? So Mike's now a wrestling coach. Um, so last year we were able to get, you know, all of our young linemen onto the wrestling team. A couple ended up being pretty good at it. Had never, None of them had ever wrestled before. Um, you know, so I think, you know, developing that foot speed, developing that hand quickness, you know, those are things that, you know, you can't do in the weight room. You know, you can only do putting your hands on somebody. So getting our linemen into the wrestling program has been huge. And we don't have as many there this year because a lot of parents were concerned mostly about, you know, wrestling and COVID is, don't match very well. So we didn't have a whole lot play this year. But I think, you know, continuing to have our linemen in the wrestling program is going to do wonders for us. You know, A, it keeps them in shape. You know, we got a kid that, you know, if he gets his own way, he's going to push 330, but he makes him be 285. You know, keeps him in shape for what we need to do. It also teaches them balance and hand placement and all the little things that you need to do to be successful as an Austin lineman if you're not 6'5", 285 with great feet, which if we all had five of those – we can just line up and play, but we don't. Right. So and that's the big thing for us is getting them to play multiple sports, including especially wrestling. Um, and then utilize whatever time we're given, you know, up here is a little different than Prince William. We get green days, um, you know, to where we can have, I don't even remember what the number is now, because we haven't had them this year, 12 practices each, you know, in the spring it, helmets only, no pads mm-hmm. or anything like that. But We can actually go out and do stuff. Um, so what we, our plan was to util, utilize a lot of those days um, you know, in the gym, working hands, working steps, working footwork, and really hammering those fundamentals home. So when we get to real practice time, that stuff's kind of second nature. You know, we can do, you know, some everyday drills and not really have to focus on, well, you take this step on this play. You know, those are things that you can teach in the offseason without breaking rules. You know, that can be a group during your workout.
0: So COVID has been – I. It sucks, man. I, it's good, it's good it, because it, it, there's ways to get, there's ways, there's loopholes through certain rules. And then there's some rules that you just can't get through. Like, for example, in Prince William County, uh, we cannot have, at least during the summer, we couldn't have like on the field activities. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we still haven't been, as of today, the recording which is we're maybe like a week and a half away from when we're supposed to start practice, we are still not allowed to use a football in our workouts. We are still not allowed to use, um, you know, blocking dummies in our workouts because Mm -hmm. if we were going to use them, we'd have to clean them between each thing. And it's just not, we just don't have the equipment. And then, and we still don't know exactly how (laughs) practice is going to work. Um,
1: yeah, but so like, something that we, RADs went and got, it might be a good idea. Is, you know, like the, like the the backpack sprayers? Oh, yeah. They you know, you use it for pesticide or whatever. He went and bought a handful of those. And, every you know, when we were able, we had a little bit of a window mm-hmm. in October, November, we were allowed to use our weight room. Then they shut us back down again. But what I had to do is, you know, we had 10 kids at a time in the weight room. So I'd have 10 groups, you know, have a group of 10 come in for an hour, mm-hmm. get their lift in get out and then I would walk around the weight room with the backpack sprayer spray everything down it had to sit for a half an hour start our next group you know we had five or six group go every Monday you know because our you know schools on Monday isn't what it normally is um so we would get five or six groups in you know so that's how we're going to utilize stuff at practice too I'm going to have the backpack sprayer or I'll find an assistant that's willing to do it and you know between every so often go spray everything down and get back to work so that's the only way I know to do it you know
0: yeah And that's a really good idea. I don't remember if that was the original plan. I think we were having something similar like that, but we for whatever
1: grass management program you got to have backpack sprayers everywhere.
0: Probably, yeah. Yeah. And uh, for but for whatever reason, you know, in Prince William, you know, they kept pushing things back, and you know, the numbers just keep getting higher, unfortunately. So fingers crossed, nothing happens between now and uh, the start of practice, but you know, there have been, you know, seven on seven tournaments that have been going on within the county, but they're not related to Prince William County schools. And so they can go and do like actual legit football tournaments. And so a lot of our kids were actually going and doing that stuff. And technically um, our, some of our assistant coaches were on staff and they actually basically have our whole pass game installed already, mm-hmm. but guess what? As the offensive line coach, this is my first year as the offensive line coach here,
1: right.
0: I have had almost next to zero contact with the offensive line and it's been very difficult to get them online all at once. And mm-hmm. So guess how much of the run game we have installed? Zero. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I kind of oh. feel a little anxious because, you know, the offensive line, extremely important part of the football team and we got to get stuff done in not a whole lot of time.
1: (laughs) The thing that I think we're going to see though, and what I'm seeing from our kids did the seven on seven stuff as well, you know, that, that I don't love seven on seven, but what I did love about being out there is the kids were so excited to do something Mm -hmm. that you didn't have the little gripes that you always have. You didn't have, Oh, this is hard. You didn't, they just were so happy to be doing something. So I think once you, you know, once you get with those guys, you're going to see kind of what I saw at the 7-on-7 is that they're so happy to be doing something that they're going to listen, they're going to go hard. They're, they're not going to complain because it's cold. I've already told my guys they're not allowed to say a word about it being cold. I don't want to hear it. Um, but they're so excited to be doing something. You know, we had our, our parent meeting tonight, and, you know, we're doing a sign-up genius for them to come in and get helmets and shoulder pads, you know, because we can only do two at a time, and, you know, we're spacing it out all day. Um, and they're texting me like, I'm so excited to get my helmet, you know, I mean, the little things that we took for granted forever, the kids are really excited about. So I think when it comes to learning football, they're going to be jacked up about it because they haven't been able to do it for so long.
0: Yeah. I do see that. We were able to start doing, um, outdoor. what not really practices are more like workouts. We can do like body weight stuff and
1: yeah, we need and do drills for a m- month and a half. Yep.
0: And, and there, our numbers have been pretty good. Um, we're definitely not getting everybody because we have some kids playing basketball. We have some doing wrestling and other sports and some whose parents are just waiting until actual practice starts. But, um, it's been nice. It's been good to see the kids. Uh, it's been good to see them excited to be there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, and so I think, like you said, they're just going to be so excited to be out there. They're going to like eyes glued and be paying attention. I hope.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's going to be the case. I really do. You know, I think that you know as, as compact as the season's going to be. I don't know if you guys are doing this. We're opening it up on a Monday and we turn around and play again on Saturday.
0: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody,
1: everybody statewide is doing that. Uh, I'm sure freedom got out of it somehow, but um, <laughs> <laughs> might want to cut that part out. Um, but um, you know, they're so excited. I think the turnarounds are going to be so fast that you know they're really going to be into it. And next thing you know, it's going to be April and we're going to be done. You know, so I think it's it's the kids are really into it.
0: I'm ready to go, coach. And I, that's why, fingers crossed, nothing happens between now and then because our county, like, it's weird because all of the other teams that we play are not in our county because we have right. to travel because yep. there's not a whole lot of 3A teams in our area. Um, so we have some in Warren County. We have some in, uh, well, we play George Mason, who's in Fairfax. And, yep. you know, they all have different rules. And so some of them have actually been on the field using footballs and actually practicing, and some of them haven't. And it's just – it it sucks.
1: You know, we're fortunate to not have run into that because our entire district is in Loudoun County. We've all been playing by the same rules. We, you know, all pretty much, you know, as head coaches, have been in touch with each other. You know, we're playing by the same rules, doing the same things. You know, we're all fighting the same fight. So, yeah, I can – you know, from your side of, you know, we're playing schools from all these different counties that have different rules. That's certainly not easy.
0: I will say for, uh, for us at Brentsville, we had this weird scheduling thing every single year because of how far away our district opponents are and how far away all the other 3A schools are. Mm-hmm. Our athletic directors in the past have not been willing to schedule non-district opponents in 3A. So we've been playing teams like Liberty, uh, uh, Kettle Run, Falky, all 4A schools, uh, yeah. Loudon Valley
1: last year. Yep, not were, um, how good were they
0: up front? Oh, man, they were huge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. um,
0: and so a lot of the times we end up losing <laughs> most of those games, unfortunately, uh, because we just don't have the same amount of talent. Some years right. we're able to, we were able to beat um, Kettle Run, who's a team that I think our school has only beaten once since that other high school started. Yep. So sometimes we're able to catch them, sometimes not. But this year – it's district only, <laughs> right. and we were we were undefeated in our district last year. So hopefully, we're able to continue that momentum. That's uh, awesome. Unfortunately, if we lose one game, we're probably out of the playoffs because the playoffs are a little tougher to make this year.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you guys. We're they're taking two from our district, you know, and you know, and our district is a bear. I mean, I, I can't compliment the teams in our district. And not you know, we've got Broad Run and Tuscarora who right there. Both are state championship contenders. You know, yeah. you know Loudon Valley is really good. Loudon County is really good. Dominion is really good. They had the best player I've ever seen last year. Is now a freshman at Penn State. Um, you know, so our district is no joke. And we're the same deal. We're playing our district. And you better be ready to strap it up every week because everybody's going to bring it. And that's, I guess that's how you want it. But
0: Yeah. And, and you know, there's no scrimmages. You start off with a game. And I guess a lot of others there, – there are some other states out there who do that. I know Illinois – is a state that doesn't play any scrimmages. Um, I know there's a couple others, but it's at least we're having football. Hopefully,
1: absolutely. Again, <laughs> I'm never, I'm never going to complain about who we're playing because we're playing. That's that's the the big part for sure.
0: Um, so we kind of had a conversation before the podcast started a little bit about offense, and um, you talked about how you guys uh, really run a lot of what you call inside zone, but you said yep. it's actually belly. So, yeah. can, you kind of, can you kind of describe that for us?
1: Sure. So, you know, if you're looking at it against an even front, you know, in a perfect – we obviously can run it to both the three and the shade. Mm-hmm. Um, but our goal is to get a double team anywhere we can find one. So a lot of the true zone guys, and it's been everybody has their own way of running it. And, you know, I've, looked, I've heard a million different coaches speak on it. You know, you're not stepping backside. You know, if you're saying you're going left, everybody's stepping left and zoning left. You know, whereas we're not going to do that. You know, our double we're going to find. You know, if we're running into the shade, our center and front side guard are going to double that shade up to the play side linebacker. Mm-hmm. And the way we teach the double is very similar. You know, I guess if you talk about it to a two or three, it'd be easier to explain it that way. With the the back, or the backside guard and backside tackler are going to double that three vertical to the backside linebacker. You know, we teach that double almost like it's a double in a gap scheme, mm-hmm. except for we're working front side. Instead of backside, you know. I know there's a lot of the Twitter debates of is that zone or is it um, duo or is it the semantics. I don't. I don't. I don't really know. You know. I just know that we're trying to double team the crap out of somebody and get to a linebacker. You know. I know the the duo stuff I've seen has a lot. Is a lot of tight end fullback stuff. You know. We're more of a you know hybrid eleven twenty personnel. You know. We're gonna run zone. We might zone read it, or we might come kick out the end, or we might influence the end with the fullback and go out and block the, the force defender or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of different variations we can do with it. Um, but that's, you know, that's what I've learned. That's real big, you know, back in Ohio where I come from. It's become kind of a mainstay of what people are trying to do. Um, when I was at Mountain Union, we were kind of at the old school inside zone. You know, we got it from um, Urban Meyer when he was at Bowling Green way back in the day and was kind of doing it that way. And whereas, uh, you know, Coach Karras went at one point and, learned, and went out and visited with Chip Kelly out of Oregon and brought this way of running it, you know, back from what those guys were doing back then. Um, so I think that – it just makes sense in my brain, especially the high school level of, you know, first level first, get those dudes blocked, and then, you know, get get on up to the linebacker. Um, so I think that's – that's how we teach. it. know there's a million ways to skin it, and you'll sit with a, in a clinic with a guy for hours, and neither one of you will ever be right. And <laughs> you'll debate it. You know what I mean? But that's just how, how I look at it.
0: There's, like – there's, like, no right answer – but there are some definite wrong answers out there.
1: Oh, there's certainly, yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, I love playing the ones that have the wrong answer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we, um, you know, our offense, we're we're spread. We transitioned away from um, like a, not exactly wing T, but it was wing T based. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of gap scheme. And last year we were very heavy on stretch, which is outside zone. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we actually run it like wide zone where we're actually looking for the cutback more so than trying to get outside. Um, and we're reading our often, it's either a tackle and this year it might be a tight end. Whoever's that end man is going to determine whether we cut it back or not. But a lot of times, like the way that I've been teaching it up front is when I get the chance to actually teach it, even though it's a zone play, I have been teaching it a lot like, okay, you know, you guys are responsible for comboing you know, up to here, you know, make sure that you guys get the defensive linemen down first, you know, before you go to the next level. And it's a lot of, there, there's a lot of gap scheme kind of teaching to it. Right. Uh, especially because most of our other plays are gap scheme and I don't want to completely confuse the kids. Right. You know, right. and I can say, okay, now you're going to double it and it's going to look exactly like how we do on the other play, you know, and
1: right.
0: um, I love, I love the, the, the wide zone play though, it, even though I'm a gap seam guy, I really love wide zone. I just like what you can do with it, especially play
1: action out of it. Yep, it, it it's deadly. So I, yeah, we I'm we gonna... don't run. I guess like I guess we were talking about pre you know, before we started the podcast. I think we don't do much of that because again, it does. It just takes a ton of teaching. Oh, yeah. I'd rather spend the time teaching our vertical stuff. You know what I mean? I think it's so great. I love watching. I love studying it. You know, I just to me the teaching on it when you're trying to be something else. It can't be a complimentary deal in my mind that's got to be who you are Um, and it's not who we are you know but again teams that run it that's who they are run the crap out of it and it looks really good you know when we run outside zone you know we're truly trying to get get wide you know we're running Mm -hmm. as an answer to games or to pressure or whatever it may be to get the ball outside you know complements our our inside run game
0: yeah it's uh if you want to run zone if you want to run the inside zone outside zone we're not really, we don't really run a whole lot of inside but we do learn run a lot of the wide zone if you want to run it it's kind of you kind of got to do what the triple option coaches do you got to marry it you can't absolutely. dabble in it yep. you know absolutely, absolutely. Can't, can't be your mistress it has to be your full time you're married absolutely. to it right. absolutely. um so what about uh the rest of your run game i i think you mentioned on your um form that you guys are more uh, 20 and 11 personnel. So what are some other things that you guys do on offense?
1: You know, so we'll, in our, our 20, you know, we say 11, you know, we can, we can line up in a true attached tight end and we will do that. But a lot of times that, that guy is off the ball, you know, we motion him around and, and do some things, you know, so we'll run counter. So we'll run counter H or We'll pull the guard in the, the H and we'll also run GT and pull both, you know, we'll run power. You know, and the big key is, you know, hoping the teams can't key what we're doing based on where that H is aligned. You know, is the, the big thing with what we try to do. Uh, so, again, everything that we run is designed to protect our our inside zone. I'm going to call it inside zone, call it everyone. You know, is designed to protect that. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be able to run that, and then we have answers for what you're giving us otherwise. <sighs>
0: I know in your bio you mentioned that you were the freshman coach at uh, Colgan for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's so been yeah, my freshman um,
0: there, yep. I actually have experiences as a freshman coach as well. I used to coach at Garfield High School, which you may okay. be familiar with. You never a coach Williams? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah so, so I worked with so,
1: Williams for two years at Colgan, yep.
0: Yeah, so he was the head coach at Garfield when I was a freshman coach there, and, um, you know, that was like my second year coaching ever.
1: Gotcha. And I
0: thought I knew everything.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I definitely didn't
1: yeah.
0: um and so that taught me a lot and you know even though we struggled and I went through a lot of pain while we were in that season um I would not give up the that experience for anything uh especially now I think it makes me a better assistant coach because I know what it takes to be a head coach this episode is brought to you in part by high and tight footballs High and Tight footballs are the world's only self-contained, pressure-measuring, multi-sensory, instant, audible feedback training footballs on the market. They have been used by NFL Hall of Fame players, NFL coaches, collegiate All-Americans, and players at all levels. Listeners, the Armchair Coaching Podcast can actually receive a 10% discount on any products purchased from High and Tight by using the discount Link below in the description and by using the discount code ACP. Make sure you type in ACP at checkout to get a 10% discount on any items purchased from highandtight.com. I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well. This is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so, what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And The nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far, and they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to... Launchpad slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below. You actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the armchair coaching podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor. Check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to the specific site, tea.com slash ACP. LaunchpadkickoffT.com slash ACP on the kickoff. It's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique. This episode was brought to you in part by Knack Bags. Knack was created to make it easier for multitasking mobile professionals to get from point A to point B without lugging a bunch of bags. Their multi-purpose products combine the best features for, of a stylish daily use computer backpacks with a patent pending hidden compartment that you can easily access. Expand and pack like a suitcase whenever you need extra space for travel, the gym or anywhere your life takes you. You can find NAC products exclusively at NACbags.com. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching podcast can check the description of this episode below to find a special link to go to buy, purchase NAC products. Absolutely. Um, and so, you've been an assistant coach for quite a while, and then you just recently moved to being a head head varsity coach. Um, what are some of the major differences that you know the list the the average listener might not know? Like, what are some of the differences between being a head coach versus being an assistant coach?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go first. I'm going to talk about your, you know, like kind of what you were talking about, about being a head coach at a lower level. So, again, my first job when I came to Colgan was, you know, he hired me as the head freshman coach. So it was myself, and then I had an assistant. You know, that he worked at the Pentagon, was an IT guy. We did a great job with our kids. But I called both offense and defense. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just the role that I had to fill. Um, you know, so you really learn about, structuring a practice, you know, as a young coach, you have, well, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to run triple option. All these things bounce around your head. But then you have to look at how much time do I have? What can we really teach these kids to do, you know, and really narrow down what you're doing and what you can teach. Like that's the biggest thing I learned by being a, a head coach at a lower level. Um, and, you know, coach bottom was phenomenal in that, you know, a lot of times I would go to him with issues and he'd look at me, he goes, you want to be a head coach, I go, yeah. He goes, figure it out you know, if there were big program issues, he handled it. But, you know, most of them, he, you know, after I asked him a couple of times, I just realized well, I better just figure these out and not ask questions anymore. Um, you know, which helped me immensely. You know, that was, that was huge. Um, as far as going to being, you know, a head coach at the varsity level from being an assistant is, you know, you don't understand all of the ancillary things. You know what I mean? You understand, you know, even, even if you understand, you may understand building a practice plan and, running a practice and like that stuff, but it's the, the booster club and parents. And I said that, but somebody took it the wrong way and I don't know how they took it the wrong way, but they did. So I got to fix it. You know, it's little things like that that you never even dream of as an assistant coach. You know, the first time it comes onto your plate, you're like, Oh, I guess I didn't handle that. Right. Or, you know, the the biggest thing about being a head coach, sometimes you just got to admit that you were wrong. You know, you're going to dig yourself a bigger hole. If you keep trying to defend something that, yeah, you know deep in your head that, I, you know, I messed that one up. You know, it's easier to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. I think that's something that I three years ago probably wouldn't have been able to do.
0: Yeah, and um, for me, yeah, the practice structure really was a big thing that I had to learn because um, I was not very good at organizing. And, and now, <laughs> even as an assistant coach, before, like, I, I always ask the head coach, how, mi- how, mu- how many minutes am I going to have for Indy? how long is this period going to be? You know, I, I want to know so yep. that I can literally, I literally script out everything that I do because I have that experience of being the head freshman coach and having no idea what I was doing.
1: Right.
0: Um, and then that whole, that whole season taught me that I really needed to simplify. Absolutely. Uh, I needed to simplify scheme. I need to simplify the plan um, because the, one of the major problems i had was i came into that season thinking oh these kids love football just as much as i do yep no they didn't
1: (laughs) yeah and and the other thing you know as i as i reflect back on it i don't know if i really realized this i just thought about it but you know the one thing that we were able to do we started slow um you know we were we 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 were okay talent wise and we weren't the best we weren't the worst started fairly slow um you know we really let the kids you know when you only have two coaches and you know, we had about 30 kids on the freshman team and two coaches. You know, they, there's not a whole lot of individual teaching you can do. You know, so a lot of it is we let the kids have some ownership over what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, we put in fun stuff. We put in a fake punt. We put in a fake field goal. We put in things that, you know, that was made it fun for them. Because you're right. They don't, they're not as enamored with the little tiny details as you are. You know, <laughs> like, all right, let's learn how to run a fake field goal. You know, we were in a game and I can't remember who we played now. Um, I remember it was at Colgan. And we had, our quarterback was our best player. You know, he was, I think last time I saw him, he might be six, seven now. He's enormous. Like that, you know, but it, he's a great kid. It was a big mm-hmm. kid. You know, at the freshman level, he was the best player we had by far. Um, and we had a really good kicker, right? It was also a slot receiver, but he was a really good kicker. Um, you know, so I called a field goal. It had to have been a 28 yard field goal, something like that. Called a field goal in the first quarter. And we had a fake where, you know, we taught. Because of the way the the rules a little bit funky, so the the holder had to keep his knee off the ground, right? Mm-hmm. If he wanted to flip the ball behind him, right? So his knees got go. if his knees on the ground and he tries to throw it with his knee on the ground, he's down, mm-hmm. right? So we we my buddy's an official and we got that rule straight and we taught it that way of and we always told the officials before the game, hey, on our extra point field goal, his knee is off the ground. So I didn't call it. I called a field goal. Right. And again, reminder, our kicker's a pretty good athlete. And our quarterback has some, some ownership over the program. And the quarterback called the fake and we scored a touchdown. And it ended up being the difference in winning the football game. He comes, I'll never forget. He comes jogging over, big old smile on his face. I'm just staring at him. He, I look, I go, you know how to kill you if it didn't work. He goes, absolutely. <laughs> he just keeps jogging behind me. And we <laughs> were just <definitely laughs> on The kids had a heck of a lot of fun with it. I'm like, you know what? I guess that's Okay. You know, I, I know it, there were years in the past where I would have lost my mind because I didn't call it. And You know, if a kid ever did in a varsity game, I think I'd probably still do the same thing. But at that level, you know, the kids have fun. It worked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, parents think I'm really smart, think I called it, so it's great.
0: I, I think I made the mistake going into that season thinking, oh, I am not the disciplinarian type coach. Yeah. Like, I'm that's not me. I, I'm the relationship builder. I want to, like, get to know you. I Not, not be buddy-buddy, but, you know. Sure you know, like, build relationships with the kids, and, um, but I went into that season thinking, oh, I need to, you know, make sure these kids are, you know, disciplined, and they're practicing, and all this stuff, and not, you know, they'll have fun when they win, that was a mistake, Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, not even halfway through the season, I was like, this isn't working, <laughs> they right. know exactly this is not me, and so I tried to be a little bit more of myself, again, let the kids have some fun, and once we started simplifying things and then letting them have a little bit more ownership into it, um, it went a lot better. We didn't win any games, but
1: <laughs> it and, and went a I, lot tell my, I tell my freshman coach, and he's a he's a veteran guy, so I got lucky. He's a, an old he he coaches youth league. As his sons were playing, now his sons are out, and he's you know so he coaches freshman ball for us, and he's great at it. And I've told him, your job description is make sure that they come back to be sophomores. You know. I, I – are you know, they going to come back if you go 0-10 every year? Probably not. But they're going to remember, you know, the, the fun they had and this, this, and that more than they're going to remember. Did they go 4-6 and or 5-5? and I don't remember, you know. Um, so that's what I tell our freshman coaches. Just make sure they come back. However you go about doing it, you're going to get a feel for the kids. It's going to be different every year. Just make sure I have them as sophomores. You know, and going into year two from last year, we have a vast majority back, so – pressure coach did his job you know they won a handful of games lost a handful of games you know whatever it may be um you know and reflect on that a little bit you know our i think through covid you've seen that everybody's doing these senior spotlight things on twitter right mm-hmm. Do any that have you ever seen have you seen a kid yet that put in their memories what their record was no, not it was really like, no. going to eat lunch somewhere something like that you know i think as, as coaches we You know, we wrap our heads around, you know, were we seven and three or eight and two or five and five or whatever it may be, where the kids, that's not what sticks in their brain. They want to wincher, but they remember the other stuff more. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit worried that COVID's taken that away from them because, you know, it is, you know, structure, 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 practice, don't congregate, this, this, and that. You know, we can't sit and have a team meal. And, you know, those kids aren't going to have that experience. I think when we get back to the normal world, that's the stuff that we got to remember. Wait a minute. When all those kids were doing those senior spotlight things and putting them on Twitter, none of them talked about going five and five or eight and two. You know, if they win a state championship, they put that on there. But, you know, other than that, that's not what their memories are.
0: One of my goals for the offensive line this year, because we were going to have a younger group, no, se- most likely no seniors on the offensive line, I wanted to uh, try and build consistency with this group. Like have like a, like a group mentality and try to build like a family mentality And so I wanted to do more of those things, like have, you know, offensive line or have meals together, you know, and we'll just talk and we won't talk football. but We will just talk and get to know each other and, you know, stuff like that. And I I haven't seen them, you know, and and, and it's impossible. So there's no way for me to build that, you know, camaraderie with them. And hopefully we're able to do it in the short amount of time.
1: And it's tough to do. You know, we did the Zooms last spring and we've done them, I guess, here and there. We haven't done them much since last summer because we were able to like do go do stuff Mm -hmm. but yeah you could say i'm gonna get on zoom and hang out with the kids and talk to everybody who stares at their screen doesn't say anything it's not the same as you know sitting in a room and you know having some pizza and and doing what you do so i'm looking forward to getting back to that stuff you know again hopefully this summer or next fall or you know whenever you know whenever we get back to normal life but i think that's what the kids are really missing more so than you know going out and playing four quarters and win and lose right
0: now um this is something that I've been interested in because I've had different experiences with under different head coaches, the how they structure practice with like varsity and JV and freshmen. Uh, Cause well, at Brentsville, we have a varsity and a JV. We don't have enough kids to have like a, a true freshman team. You guys have
1: eighth graders playing JV, right? Is that how? Yeah. yeah.
0: Cause we have the uh, there's the middle school that's right next to our high school. And mm-hmm. um, so we have the eighth graders come up and play JV. Um, but we still, we just, usually don't have enough to have like a true ninth grade team. And most of the teams in our district don't, but when I was at Garfield, um, it was, you know, the varsity was practicing way over there with the varsity coaches and the freshman team was over there with like us three freshman coaches. And we mm. never, we never intermingled, like never practiced together or anything like that. Um, and the kids rarely got to see the head coach of the varsity. Now at Brentsville, it's a bit different at Brentsville um, as a varsity coach you know, we might have an offensive day for varsity. So I see the varsity offensive kids, but I only coach offensive line. I don't have a defensive position. Yeah. And so the defensive coaches will be coaching the JV, but they still get the same coaches year after year, which I like that idea. And I yep. and it's worked out well for us, especially because you get to build the relationships with the kids over time. Um, how do you guys structure your, your team structures at uh, Heritage?
1: That's a great question because that goes – I think goes back to your question about the difference between 6A and, you know, 4 and 3A. At you know, Colgan, we had, you know we, – we were a true two platoon. We had very few guys that played both ways. You know, so our position coaches coach their position every day. You know what I mean? And so that's why the freshmen, you know, we were – I don't know if you know back where that back turf is at. You know, we were on the other side of campus, you know, away from the varsity practice doing our own thing. Um, whereas, you know, Nick Colgan or Heritage last year, we did that because that's what I knew. Um, you know, this year is different because we were going to, we're forced into having everybody practicing in the stadium just because we're not going to be light. Mm-hmm. You can't go on the back grass because there's no lights, you know, because it's going to be dark for the whole practice. Um, you know, I like that I actually been talking to our defensive coordinator. Uh, he was at Briar Woods for a long time mm-hmm. and came over, um, with us last year. About you know that was my original plan was to do it the way you guys are gonna do, way you guys are doing it. Whereas, you know, whereas on offensive day, offensive staffs with the varsity, defensive staffs with the freshmen, right? So our our JV's and varsity I think still need to practice together. We don't have enough numbers to make that totally separate. You know, and separate it that way. Now, what we're gonna do this year, I think, is something we're gonna talk about actually in our staff meeting tomorrow, um, because of COVID and this is what they did at Briar. I think they do it at John Champ. We're going to split our team in half, okay. right? So we're going to have, you know, red and black, right? And they're both a mix of ones and twos and freshmen and, you know, a, a grab bag of everything we have, you know, there's enough corners on one enough corners on the other, you know, and so on and so forth that if COVID hits, hopefully it only hits one of the two teams mm-hmm. in worst case scenario we can go play – we have a team that we can put on the field that's got varsity players on it to, to get through a, through a COVID situation. We're, so, we're going to do – we're going to go through camp that way um, and then reevaluate once we get to, to game practices. I think, you know, the percent positive rate, and all the COVID stuff is going to matter on, you know, how we – how long we stay in that mode. Mm-hmm. get through camp, we're going to do that. I don't want to get our whole program shut down for a week. Right. You know, we can, if we get, somebody gets COVID and half of our program gets shut down for a week, that's, that stinks, but it's a heck of a lot better than having our whole program shut down for a week. You know, so I think that's how we're going to do it this year. Um, and then I know, you know, like I said, Briar Woods and John Champ do that every year. That's part of their program you know, through camp. So we'll see how we like that. Um, and if, but I've also, again, thought about doing it the exact same way you guys were going to do it. That's how we were going to do it in the non COVID world for sure at least through camp and in season, maybe it's a little bit different. Cause the freshmen got to run plays that are going to help them win games. And I think that helps them too, but.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about COVID because um, we're at least right now we are still virtual. Um, yep. And so we don't have to worry about, you know, if one random kid in one of our classes gets it, our starting quarterbacks out, we don't have to worry about that yet. Um, but you know, as The plan is to go back to a 50% model in February, mid-February. They're going to meet again to see whether or not that's actually going to happen. But uh, I'm, I, I honestly kind of hope that we stay virtual through football season. I just feel yeah. like that would be safer, um, less it's likely not, that kids are going to catch it from other kids. But
1: I'm split on that. I totally get where you're coming from, and I've thought that way too. I guess the special ed teacher in me, sees the kids that need to be in the building so bad that are struggling and yeah. really not doing well academically. Oh my God, those kids really need to be in the classroom. You know, I've got a couple kids that are Ivy league smart Do they need to come to class. No, they can you know, that's why I think having the choice is good because those kids have chosen a hundred percent distance the rest of the way, because they're being, they're successful in what we're doing. Right. Whereas the kids that aren't are obviously the ones I worry about. Um, you know, so, and I think, the schools are going to do such a good job of mitigating risk and distancing, and it's going to be so over the top that I'm not really worried. I was talking about this with our ADs the other day. I'm not really worried about them, and this was our actually our AD's point. I'm not really worried about the transmission at school mm-hmm. because everybody's going to be so strict with them. I think there's actually more of a risk of them going and getting it with all the free time they have now because they're going to go do knucklehead kid stuff. And that's just what they do. We all did it. It is what it is. You know I mean, when they're left to their own devices, they're not social distancing. They're not wearing a mask. They're not, you know, that's just because they're teenagers and they think they're indestructible. That's just the way it is. But, yeah. you know, so I've balance, balanced the two different ways of thinking on it. I don't, I don't know that there's a right way to think, but.
0: I, yeah, I don't know if there is a right way. I, like we said earlier, there's, there might be multiple right ways, but there's definitely – a couple of wrong ways to do Absolutely. it yeah for I, sure. uh we had our um i can't remember which team it was one of our winter sports had to shut down for two weeks like right right when they first started practice my it was either girls basketball or boys basketball probably boys because they're stupid um they went to a party and somebody had covid and they all had to shut down because they yep. had to you know quarantine it's like really guys Yep. Like, come on, you, you should know better, but right. I guess not, you know, teenagers.
1: Again, you're not – they're going to mess it up. And that's – you know, I was talking to a college coach, I can't remember who now, call recruiting you know, a couple of weeks ago and talking about how you know, they had a full spring ball in the fall because it was a smaller school, so they're going to turn around and play this spring like we are. You know, talk to them, like, how do you get – how do you get 18- and 19-year-olds on campus to behave themselves? And they go, we just told – I mean, we, our kids did a great job. They just love football. Mm-hmm. And it was important to them, so they behaved themselves. I and mean, we had to discipline some kids that didn't. And that's the way it was. And I hope we can get that out of our kids, but you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, small school college ball. If if they're playing there and they're paying to go to that school to play football, they, they want to be there. So they're yeah, probably gonna,
1: yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Absolutely. They're probably
0: going to take it seriously. Um, now, uh, we'll kind of wrap up here in, in a couple minutes, but um, one of the other things that i'm interested in learning about other coaches is what do you do for downtime because i love football i love x's and o's i could talk football all day i have a hard time disconnecting and so i I, like i have to do something like read or you know i do a lot of youtube i go down a lot of youtube holes um but like what are some things that you like to do to kind of you know either just take a break or kind of
1: disconnect from football It's not easy. I'm right there with you. You know, I think anybody that knows me, they tell you that I'm the worst person to answer that question because I struggle with it. Um, You know, my degree's in history, so I'm a nerd when it comes to that stuff. You know, so especially, you know, living in Northern Virginia for the last few years, you know, going down to, you know, going to Appomattox and going to Mount Vernon and going and doing that type of stuff. I've really enjoyed, you know, become a, you know, a nerdy Civil War battlefield guy. So I've been to Manassas, been to you know all the ones around here and kind of done that thing and you know I it's I guess it's not non sports but I love baseball you know so I love going and sitting in Nats Park in the summer and, and having a good time doing that and, you know so that's kind of kind of how I am you know I, again I'm probably the worst person ever to answer that question because you know I certainly tend to overdo it I know you know beginning of COVID I think I watched every football clinic I could find before I realized that I, we can't do any of this but I'm just so bored that we're gonna I'm gonna learn it all anyways. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that's one of my, you know, downtime things. I like to learn offense. I do some defenses too because I was on defense for a couple of years. But uh, I used to run a blog called Obsessed with Offense, yes. and I would literally just research offenses. Like I don't care what it was, I would research double wing, you know, power T, air raid. It didn't matter. I loved them all. Single wing, I got went to a deep dive into single wing. Um, but you know, like. Would you, you know the
1: guy? I can't. Um, Sarche that was at um, John Paul.
0: Yeah, right? he's he's at. Um,
1: he's, he's at Warren, at County, Warren County, right? County now. Yeah. So he, he's a single wing guy. I, mm-hmm. I met him when he was at Colgan for a year, and we met briefly. I haven't had a chance to sit on top all of them. But I know he's a single wing guy. That's kind of his deal.
0: Yeah, our head coach has been in contact with him, and um, they're they're installing the single wing this year. They yeah. they were a spread team the last couple of years. Um, and they had had they had a quarterback who could sling it, but they just could not get good athletes and offensive line around him, gotcha. and so they just weren't incredibly successful. And they, I don't know if it was the personality of the coach. Like I don't want to talk bad about him because I met a, met the guy a couple times. Their former coach, mm-hmm. and, and he was a great dude, and he was really good friends with uh, my current head coach Joe Joe Molinax, and. I, I just heard things like the kids were like revolting. <laughs> they were like, you know, boycotting practice and a bunch of them quit. Yeah. It, it was just not, not a good culture. And um, I wonder if him bringing the single wing is going to help. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, if, if it's something that the kids believe in. And, you know, that's, I think I don't know. That's the thing about not being from around here. I don't know the different communities. I don't know what, so I think, you know, again, if I brought the single wing, to, although, you know, Stonebridge up here runs it and runs it really well and goes state championship games and, you know he's been doing it there for years, and he's a legend up here. Um, you know, I just when I came to when I came to Heritage, you know, I came as a spread guy, and I think it, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's on TV, so it gets kids excited. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets them to want to come out for football. You know, and I, I think you almost have to be a legend to come in somewhere and say, "Hey, I'm gonna run the single wing because I've won state championships doing it." You either get on board or get off. You know what I mean? Get off. And I don't think as a young guy you can come in with that type of mentality maybe you can I don't know it wasn't for me um uh, you know but I came you know I was a spread guy except we're 20 and 11 we're not 10 personnel right. we're the yard all the time though we did some last year um you know But I think unfortunately the kids see what's on tv and that's what they get excited about so we try to do some of that stuff to to get our numbers up you know I want, want to keep quarterbacks that go to Harper Park Middle School at Heritage. You know what I mean? I don't want them to look around because, you know, you know how it is around here. Kids will kids will do that, you know. Oh, so. yeah.
0: And, um, like, I, you can do single-wing things but spread it out and look sure. like a – I mean, look sure. at Ohio State when Urban Meyer was there or Florida when it was Urban. They were running a lot of single-wing stuff. And, you know, the
1: team that I go back, you know, in, but I didn't know what the single-wing was when they were doing it, but now that I reflect back was what Arkansas was doing. Oh yeah. When the when the wildcat really became a thing with um, Felix Jones and um, Jerry McFadden, I think were the two backs there that you know they started doing that stuff. And that's all it was. Yeah. I mean it's you know those types of principles out of with you know SEC dudes. You know.
0: Well, I'm not sure if it's the players you really have to worry about. It's the parents, sure. The par- yeah. the, especially like the 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 football fan dads who yep. think they know football. Yep. And, Cause they watch it on Sundays and Saturdays. And so they're like, Oh, well, you're not, you're not running the Clemson offense and Clemson's winning national titles. What's wrong with you? You know, it's, and so.
1: Go watch them practice and see the guys they have running the Clemson <laughs> offense. That's why.
0: <laughs> I, um, I do a, a different uh, series on this podcast where I have a guy who's from South Carolina. He's on quite often. And he has actually been, to some of the Clemson practices, and he knows some of the assistant coaches. Yeah. And he And he's just like, dude, if you only could see <laughs> the, some of the things these kids could do. <laughs> it was- I know. It's
1: it, the glazier up here the, the over that they had over there by the airport um, right, right before Corona hit last year, I guess, mm-hmm. back in February. Um, one of their guys, one of Clemson guys spoke. I can't remember his name. I can't quote off the top of my head, but um, he's a, a director of player personnel or, you know, one of those types of positions that – was a high school coach down there, I think in Rock Hill somewhere. Um, It was a state championship high school coach. So he did a really good job in his clinic of, Hey guys, I'm not going to come here and tell you all the things we do because you guys don't have who we have, you know, but he did talk a lot about practice structure and drills and things that really did apply to what we were doing. And I got a lot out of it. You normally, you'll see those big time guys and and you're watching CJ Spiller. You're like, Oh, I don't don't have one of those. Watching Bryce Perkins. I don't have one of those either. You know, but I think, that was great because he was a high, had a high school background and he was at Clemson mm-hmm. and So everybody piled in there. Cause the Clemson guy was there and yeah, he really talked about stuff that was applicable.
0: Yeah. I, um, I, I catch myself doing that a couple of times at, at like a clinic. Uh, we went to, um, Baltimore last year again, before COVID hit. And, uh, I'm not sure if you know who Paul Alexander is. He's a, yeah,
1: I was in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, you were there? Yeah, uh, I was there. T- okay. So, yeah. I was there too. Um, and I was trying to get as close to the front as I could. I thought I got there early. No. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: um, and, and even though he was like an NFL guy, I actually got some good stuff out of that.
1: Um, and he does, you could tell, he, you know, he does the clinic circuit now that he's retired. And he does a good job of tailoring it to the audience he has. You know, I've been to a clinic one time, and I don't even remember the guy's name, and I wouldn't you know, put it out there anyways. But it was a D1 guy from somewhere, and, you know, he just sat and ran film for an hour. And it was cool because their dude's really good. But it was, you know, it was so stuff that was complicated. that I'm like, that's great, you know, when you have the kids as long as you guys do and get to do those things. And, you know, but it just wasn't applicable to what we were doing. And actually, you know what it may have been? It may have been an NFL DB guy, I think it okay. was, talking about, you know, the, the their zone turns and man turns and, you know, the footwork they use. I don't have Tyra Matthew. So, you know, it it is what it is. But I think, you know, you go to those things and you got to be careful with, you got to go learn stuff that you can do. Right. Not try to reinvent the wheel every year and learn a little. I think every clinic guy tells you, you know, you take one thing, don't come take my whole presentation because it's not, you know, I got to change your offense based on one clinic talk. It's, you know, maybe you find a drill or find a little piece that fits into what you do instead of trying to go learn you know, how to reinvent the wheel every year.
0: And I have that conversation with my head coach a lot because he, he's a great guy. Um, but he also kind of has a, you know, I know a lot complex. Yeah. Um, in, in a good way. Like he, he's, he's very knowledgeable and he does have a, good, a lot of good experience. Um, he's like, I don't like going to see other high school coaches because I feel like I know just as much as they do. I was like, well, if you knew as much as they do, wouldn't you be up there talking? Because <laughs> I, I like to go to the high school. Like you said, I go to the high school coaches or maybe like a, a D3 coach, you know, here or there, yeah. um, who are more close to our level and they're dealing with the same kinds of things we are. And I think I get more out of that than I would going. Although I will say one one college coach that I went to who was really good, um, was the UVA offensive line coach, Coach 2J? Yep. Um, he did a, a talk on uh, zone and some drills, and he showed some really good drills. And the one thing I will say that that I didn't that I was sitting there, I was like, "Well, we don't have that equipment. We don't have that equipment. <laughs> we don't have that sled. You know, it's yeah, yeah, it, 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 great ideas, but
1: you can't and that's really." That's thing I learned: it. my very first job in high school again was at CVCA, and it's it's a small Christian school um and we didn't have it, it, it's a pretty well off school we didn't have i don't know if we had a five man or not you know but you learn how to run drills and you know our line guy likes to use the five man which is great you know we have it it's awesome you know i learned how to do drills with blocking a, the dude across from you mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think as a young coach that's important to learn is you don't need a couple thousand dollars worth of fuel equipment you can just you know that's you know being allowed and County where you know we're fortunate enough to be you know, have some very affluent areas in the county. And, you know, there's not a lot that I could want that I, if I really go out and fundraise for, I can't get. Right. Um, you know, and I've, you know, I'm the, the coach in me goes, well, I can make do with what we have. I don't need all that fancy stuff. Well, you know, but then it's well, why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? I guess we'll get it because somebody's paying for it. Okay, great. You know, but I think <laughs> you gotta learn how to coach without all that fancy stuff, you know?
0: Right. And, I, I completely agree. I honestly, not a huge fan of the five-man sled.
1: <laughs> Man, yeah. I, I, know, was, I understand the theory behind it. And I don't like the shoot either, but he, you know, some guys are married to the shoot. Like, okay, great. You know?
0: Yeah. And, uh, like the five-man sled, it's good to teach the initial parts of blocking, like the initial right. like fundamentals, but not great to use it every single day. I mean, if, if you want to make your kids tired, yeah, it's great. Right. Right. Um you know, that, that's part that. That's one of my, uh, our head coach's philosophy. He likes to uh, try to make, he, he likes to do a lot of conditioning at the beginning of practice so that when we're actually, when we're actually practicing, they're already a little bit tired. And so they kind of have to work through that and they learn how to work through being tired. Um, and so like the offensive line last year, every single day, they start off on the sleds for about five minutes and just <laughs> push it all over the place. So. I don't know if we'll keep doing that or not, but if he asks me to, I guess I'll have to. <laughs> uh, <ew>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Um, I'm going to go ahead, and we're going to uh, call this one a night. And But, man, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I appreciate your time.
1: Yep, time I appreciate you having me. All
0: right, thank you, Coach. This has been the Armchair Coaching Podcast, and this is Coach Sheffer signing off.